This is 91.3 KUAF, a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. And for Thursday, December 15th, 2022, this is Ozarks at Large. I'm Kyle Kellams. Ahead this hour, artwork from a new after-school program for LGBTQ plus students will be exhibited at Phoenix Art Gallery on Mount Sequoia beginning Saturday. Ozarks at Large's Jacqueline Froelich explains how the program works and gives us a preview of the work in our second half hour. First, we continue a series from Ozarks at Large's Anna Pope and Jared Phillips, an Arkansas producer and professor at the University of Arkansas. The series is about agricultural and rural life and how it's changing here. There are thousands of farms in Arkansas. Some families do not have an estate plan to pass down ownership of that land. This can lead to heirs' property ownership. Ozarks at Large's Anna Pope reports that although the program Keeping It in the Family exists to introduce conservation practices to yield a better profit for farmers, it also provides educational resources for heirs' property owners. Rural African-American farm families in the U.S. held about 16 to 19 million acres of farmland in 1910. But the amount of African-American farmers with active farms dropped to nearly 2.5 million acres in 2019, according to Pew Research. This statistic is one of the reasons why Charlie Williams works as the resource conservationist for the University of Arkansas Pine Bluff program, Keeping It in the Family. Yeah, I mean, if you can't get excited about that with 80% of the land gone that you once had, you know, that can light a fire under you to try and uh, stop that. We're almost an endangered species now, to speak, so to speak. So The program was established in 2016, and so far it has assisted almost 270 people owning about 15,500 acres. Charlie is part of the group that leads the project. He says many in the group retired from jobs geared toward helping landowners protect their land from environmental challenges. You know, many of us retired from agencies that help landowners to improve their profitability and, and protect your land from destruction through uh, erosion and all of that. We worked almost full careers and only helped. African-Americans, a very small percentage, at least for some of us, in our full career. So with this opportunity, with uh, the Natural Resources Conservation Service setting aside funding codes, we see opportunity that we've never seen before. Its main function is to install a conservation program on land to help families improve its profitability. But for farms to access certain programs, there must be clear ownership. Charlie says most of the landowners he has encountered in the program are in an heirs' property ownership situation. Some families have an LLC or trust to lay out a succession plan, but when it is passed down to a generation without a will that is specific enough or an estate plan in place, every child of the former landowner receives equal ownership, leading to heirs' property. Which means that if one kid wants to plant a crop, and then two weeks later, another kid wants to plow it all under, they can do that because they all have complete and total access to the entire property. They can do with it what they want. So it's troubling when you've got four owners, but what if this happens for like three generations? So now instead of four owners, you've got 36 owners. 
This is Rusty Rumley, a senior staff attorney at the National Agricultural Law Center. He says because there are multiple owners, it creates financial confusion, such as whose job it is to pay property taxes. Before Arkansas adopted the Partition of Heirs Property Act in 2015, one owner could force a court to sell everything, even if other heirs wanted the opposite. Uh, and it was usually sold, you know, sheriff's auction or something along those lines on the county courthouse steps. And if one of those family members had enough money, they could go back and they could buy their family farm. But if other people showed up, you know, they could outbid them. And a lot of actually lost out of families through that approach. The act allows families the first right of refusal if the land is for sale. The law or similar laws are enacted in 20 states, Washington, D.C., and the U.S. Virgin Islands. All Arkansas border states adopted the act, except Tennessee and Oklahoma. They introduced the law this year. Heirs' property ownership is most common in the South and disproportionately affects landowners of color. This is because previous owners could not access an attorney, faced other discriminatory practices and racism in institutions, according to the Georgetown Journal of Poverty Law and Policy. Depending on the situation and how long the land has been heirs' property, Finding all heirs can be a lengthy and costly knot to untangle. Candy Williams, the outreach coordinator for the university's program and a Southwest Arkansas Extension agent, says the process looks different for every family. I think most of the attorneys would say it depends. Um, that's, that's a famous yeah, exactly. word. Um, but each time a family member passes away, they have to start the process over Again, so we've worked with many, um, with several families that are still working on a family tree, um, and it's been three years or more. Um, so it's just an ongoing process. Keeping it in the family is part of the Sustainable Forestry and African American Land Retention Program. It offers forest and land management education workshops personalized visits, assistance with USDA programs, forest stewardship plans, and education about heirs' property. All of this is at no cost to the owners. I think for me, it's promoting healthy forests and healthy families, I'm trying to bridge that gap between families to get them to communicate. It's a hard topic, and it's long-term. It, it doesn't we can't solve it overnight, but just hearing those, the history of the families and working to help them build toward generational wealth. That's what I enjoy doing, helping landowners. For Ozarks at Large and the Bruce and Ann Applegate News Studio One at the Carver Center for Public Radio, I'm Anna Pope. We're a bit less informed today and a lot less happy. Brenda Blagg, who for decades kept us connected to what local and state governments were doing with our money and our votes, died yesterday. Brenda's journalistic service in Northwest Arkansas began when she was a student at the University of Arkansas and worked at the school paper, The Arkansas Traveler. Her dedication to readers was evident even then, when she worked to make sure a paper was produced even after the paper's offices succumbed to a fire. Her passionate embrace of Arkansas's Freedom of Information Act means we all know more about how our governments operate. Her ability to hear complex matters of city council and courtroom court and Arkansas legislature, then report those matters in concise, straightforward reporting, helped us navigate how our elected officials steered our communities. 
and her wry takes on how politics worked, delivered in her weekly columns, gave us a clue to what mattered now and what might matter next. We could fill this entire show with accounts of her excellence. Seriously, we could do that. Put her name into a Facebook search today and see just how many people are sharing their memories, and you'll get an idea. You'll see several words used to describe her talent and her reporting skills. Bulldog, tenacious, tireless, but not ever mean, rude, or caustic. For all her journalistic acumen, we remember Brenda even more for her friendship. Her mentoring of other reporters. Reporters who worked with her, worked at other newspapers, and worked in other media. We remember her sharing ideas, technique, stories, and encouragement. And we remember her humor. For years, she would write a monologue for the annual Gridiron Show, where reporters poke fun at the year's news and newsmakers. She'd deliver her work as Letitia May Stufflebeam, or Aunt Titty. Standing next to her, her husband Elmer, Aunt Titty would discuss a particularly fractured view of one of the year's more contentious topics. While Brenda always was our guide in the real world to better understanding these topics, her Aunt Titty alter ego offered more cockeyed observations that still helped us understand more, even through laughter. Aunt Titty would often seek validation from her partner during those gridiron shows with a, ain't that right, Elmer? That's right. As much as we loved Brenda, she loved Arkansas. Roy Reed, the Hot Springs native who covered major stories for decades for the New York Times and then became a professor of journalism at the University of Arkansas, would often urge Brenda to take her talent to a bigger stage. An observer who would know what it would take to do so, Roy Reed. But she stayed here, with us, for us. And no hyperbole here, we are all better now because she stayed here with us. And we'll miss her deeply. Ain't that right, Elmer? That's right. This is Ozarks at Large. Time now for today's Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. I'm Paul Gatling. Tyson Foods has purchased a state-of-the-art building in Springdale that will help bridge the office gap as it works to relocate approximately 1,000 corporate jobs from South Dakota and Illinois to Northwest Arkansas next year. The company paid $19.5 million for a 130,000-square-foot building at 2800 South Thompson Street. The previous owner was Walmart, which briefly used the building for a call center. The retailer invested several million dollars to renovate the building, formerly a Sam's Club, and it opened in the summer of 2019, housing nearly 1,000 employees. But when the pandemic arrived the following spring, Walmart sent those employees home and that facility never reopened. Tyson Foods spokesman Derek Burleson said the building would provide more space and flexibility as the company consolidates corporate offices and expands its headquarters on Don Tyson Parkway. He said the company plans to refer to the new office complex as Tyson on Thompson. You can find that story with more details at nwabusinessjournal.com. 
After the break, we will speak with Jeff Clapper, who is the CEO of a Bentonville company that is now certified as a B Corporation. We'll discuss what that means next on today's Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. Support for the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report is provided by the Arkansas State Chamber of Commerce and Associated Industries of Arkansas. The Chamber's mission is to promote a pro-business, free enterprise agenda and prevent legislation, regulation, and rules that hinder business. ArkansasStateChamber.com Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield For more than 70 years, Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield has used its knowledge and compassion to create healthcare solutions for individuals and businesses. More information at ArkansasBlueCross.com First Security is proud to be only in Arkansas. They offer smart solutions for personal and business banking, plus convenient services and community investment. First Security, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Eighth and Walton, an education and advisory service company for Walmart suppliers, recently announced certification as a B Corporation. In short, that means Eighth and Walton now meets the highest standards of social performance, transparency, and legal accountability to balance profit and purpose. For some additional context, I caught up with CEO Jeff Clapper to find out more. So your company, Eighth and Walton, now certified as a B corporation, which if, if I'm boiling it down correctly to just a, a minimum, it, it's a way for companies to balance profit and purpose. I think that's a, a tagline that I saw there. So tell us exactly what that certification means. What is this movement behind a, a, a certified B corporation? Yeah, thanks, Paul. Um, yeah, so the, you, you summed it up very well there. Uh, the idea is, um, you know, of course, businesses exist uh, to, uh, you know, to, to create a profit that is a part of what we have to do to be a sustainable going concern. But can we challenge ourselves to use business as a force for good, not simply generate profit for the shareholders, but to make everyone who has some connection to the company uh, better off in some way? And so that, that means, you know, are we doing, doing things that will make the lives of our employees better? Are we doing things that will make the lives of our customers or clients better? Um, and the community that we serve even more broadly. And so that that ties into uh, transparency and governance, uh, specifically to even to tie that back to the the, the people who work here. Um, that ties into ethical sourcing if we were producing products, which in our case we're not, of course, but are we making sure that that we are uh, that that everyone who's connected uh, that, that from from whom we are buying, Goods or services uh, is doing that in a way that is uh, that is a net positive on the, the broader community as much as possible. Yes, that that's something we're going to continue to strive for. Um, and then uh, you know just even for the the, the community as a whole, um, one of one of the big qualifiers for us in achieving the certification is that we give five percent of our annual revenue uh, to nonprofit charities. And so uh, really making sure that that in all ways that we can challenge ourselves to use our business as something that makes the whole world a little bit better, uh, that's what we're going to strive for. It's, it's an ongoing effort, uh, continuing effort to learn and, and improve, and, and there are always going to be uh, sort of friction points where 
there are conflicting agendas. Hey, we're going to give up some profitability here to do this other good thing over here. That's a, maybe a more easy or obvious example, but um, but to continue to to uh, challenge ourselves to go beyond just making money. And, and it's really been inspiring for the whole group, and uh, we're, we're, we kind of see ourselves at the beginning of the journey, but we are super excited about it. Yeah, where does the – you mentioned it, it, it has been a journey. How long did the process take? Take us inside uh, that journey and just kind of where, where does yeah. the certification come from? Sure, sure. Yeah, so B Corp is a global uh, nonprofit certifying body. Uh, they have a long <laughs> involved questionnaire. Uh, we are, in fact, only the second B Corp in Arkansas. We'd love to, you know, recruit and inspire more companies to become one and, and really uh, create, uh, foster a community in Northwest Arkansas of businesses that are here uh, to to build great companies and uh, do it for more than just the the money, frankly. Um, and so the B Corp certifying process is, uh, I don't even know exactly. It's it's probably a couple hundred questions. Each question has um, anywhere from one or two options to five, four, five, six options. And then depending on what you select within those options, you're basically saying, I'll give you a really simple example. Do you have a whistleblower policy um, as one of the options you might check in terms of uh, positive governance with your employees or communication with your employees? If you check that box, you get a fraction of a point. Uh, of course, then you need to have that documented uh, in your in your you know, company handbook perhaps. Uh, but to really to have all those boxes checked, uh, first, so we basically went through this long questionnaire, checked everything that applied um, uh, or we thought should apply for our business, and then we clicked submit. And we did that at the beginning of this year. Actually, we started the whole thing about two and a half years ago, going through that questionnaire. And our score wasn't quite good enough, and we went and did a bunch of work. And then finally, at the beginning of this year, we went through it and we said, okay, we've got most of this where we wanted to. We clicked submit, and then we waited. <laughs> and they have uh, they have thousands of companies applying to just be reviewed, and so we waited until uh, this summer, and finally got communication that they were going to pick up our application and really start to go through it. And then we and then we basically had to prove our answers. So okay, you said you have this policy, show it to us. And we had to do that for all of these hundreds of questions, and then there, you know, half a dozen answers within each. So it was a really rigorous review. Uh, or audit, if you want to call it that, um, to verify that the answers we gave were accurate uh, and, and honest, of course. And uh, so we went through that whole process, and then uh, about a month, month and a half ago, received notice that we were approved and we were going to be certified as the second uh, P Corp in Arkansas. Yeah, and I would imagine that day was a uh, a highlight day of 2022 for you and the company, knowing that it was such a long and rigorous process. Yeah, yeah, you're 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 exactly right. I mean, we we've, we've been we've been looking at it. I think I started thinking about this strategically three and a half years ago, um, and then you know bringing more and more people from the team into the process. And you're exactly right. It was a it was a huge uh, achievement and celebration. Um, I, I kind of think of it like my dad said when I got my driver's license. He said, "This is uh, this doesn't mean that you are an expert in driving. This is a license to learn how to drive." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, and I kind of feel the same way. I think we all look, try to look at this the same way too. This is like, hey, uh, you know, you have certified that you have good intention to continue to learn and improve and do good things for this whole community by way of this business. Uh, now continue. You know, so we're really kind of saying we're we're going to go out and, and try to walk that walk every day going forward. And that's Jeff Clapper, CEO of 8th and Walton in Bentonville. That's an education and advisory agency for Walmart suppliers. He mentioned 8th and Walton is just the second Arkansas business to be B Corp certified. 
Southern Bank Corp. achieved its B Corp status in 2019. In other news this week, ArcBest CFO David Cobb says he is planning to retire in October 2023. The Fort Smith Shipping and Logistics Company named Cobb its chief financial officer in 2015. He joined the company in 2006 as a controller and chief accounting officer. And the Alice L. Walton School of Medicine in Bentonville has appointed nine founding board members, led by Chairman Lloyd Minor, who is the dean of Stanford Medicine. The construction of the medical school is expected to begin next year. Remember, you can follow our reporting each and every day at nwabusinessjournal.com and our sister website, talkbusiness.net. I'm Paul Gatling, and that's the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. Until next time, thanks for listening. This is Ozarks at Large with me. In the Harold Blanchcock News Studio, Timothy Dennis. How are you, Timothy? I'm good, Kyle. How are you? We're counting down the days that are left in 2022. We really are. And, you know, as I've taken a look at this weekend's music happenings, it seems like there's a little bit less stuff as we get closer to the holidays, but there's still plenty of stuff going on. All right. So let's start with tomorrow night. Nomads Trailside in Fayetteville, they are having a show featuring the bands Always Tired, Second Life, The Salesman, and Fight Dream. That bill is part of the alternative winter wonderland events taking place throughout Fayetteville, offering kind of a maker's market for alternative gifts for the oh, holidays. Nice. Free admission. That gets underway at 7 o'clock tomorrow night at Nomad's Trailside in Midtown Fayetteville. I love that Always Tired is the opening band. Well, Because they got to get home and get to bed. I get that. I feel that so much. Also happening in Fayetteville Friday night, Walton Arts Center is going to have a show in Star Theater featuring the songs of Latin American women. It's with Edward Simon's Femininas. Tickets start at $33. That gets underway at 7.30 tomorrow night in Star Theater at Walton Earth Center in Fayetteville. Over in Eureka Springs, Chelsea's is going to have Brian Martin's mess on stage. The band, I'm sure it's not his actual mess. That show gets underway at 9 o'clock tomorrow night. Again, that's at Chelsea's in Eureka Springs. The Gravel Bar in Eureka Springs tomorrow night is going to have the Shandies on stage. They are a folk rock duo from the Springfield area. There's nothing left for us to contemplate. It took no time to fall That show gets underway at 7 o'clock tomorrow night again at the Gravel Bar in Eureka Springs. Also in Eureka Springs tomorrow night, the auditorium is going to have a sleep at the wheel in the house. That's right. That's right. This one has snuck up on me. Have you heard the story of the hot rod race when the Fords and the Lincolns were setting the pace? That story is true, I'm here to say, because I was driving that Model A. It's 
got a Lincoln motor in it. It's really souped up in that Model 8 body. Makes it look like a pup. It's got eight cylinders. And they are joined on this bill with special guests, the Kate Brothers, <laughs> whose birthday celebration is coming up the week after this one, I believe. Right before Christmas. Right before Christmas. Tickets for that show with the Sleep at the Wheel at the Auditorium in Eureka Springs start at $45. That gets underway at 7.30 tomorrow night, again at the Auditorium in Eureka Springs. Okay, moving ahead to Saturday. George's Majestic Lounge in Fayetteville is going to have Boom Kinetic in the house. Mm-hmm. It's their holiday show. Tickets are $15. That gets underway at 8.30 Saturday night, again at George's in Fayetteville. Smoke and Barrel in Fayetteville Saturday night is going to have a rock and roll set. And it's another stop in that alternative Winter Wonderland event series that I talked about a few minutes ago. This one is going to feature music from the band's Chainsaw Lassie, Townhouse Fire, and Foggy Bobcat. Oh. Something's stuck in my head Dragging me down and keeping me out of your bed Here's the fatal disdain for my love Rattling round inside which I just saw yesterday on Facebook that Foggy Bobcat, they have a few gigs left and then they're calling it quits. Oh, really? That's a shame. But apparently there's no strife in the band. They're all still friends. Just Life moves on. Gotcha. That show at Smoke and Barrel Saturday night gets underway at 8 o'clock in Fayetteville. Happening at 612 Coffee House in Fayetteville Saturday night, they're going to have local artist Madison Gregory on stage. That site gets underway at 7 o'clock. Saturday night, again at 612 Coffee House in Fayetteville. The Gravel Bar in Eureka Springs Saturday night is going to have acoustic soul singer-songwriter Anitra J in the house. That's it gets underway at 7 o'clock. Saturday night again at the Gravel Bar in Eureka Springs. And Got a Hold Brewing in Eureka Springs Saturday night is going to have Buddy Shoot and Mark McGee on stage. Some of your favorites. Yes, indeed. I've been working for the man. He pays me for my time. I ask him for my money. He says I gotta stand in line. I'm leaving Louisiana. Just about midnight. That set gets underway at 5 o'clock Saturday evening again at Gotta Hold Brewing in Eureka Springs. Okay, moving ahead to Sunday, George's Majestic Lounge in Fayetteville is going to have a couple of shows, actually. First, featuring the Tones, T-O-N-3-S. They formerly went by the Hamiltones. Right. Joined in that show with special guest Funk Factory. And when is this? This is Sunday. Uh, tickets are $20. Gets underway at 6 o'clock Sunday evening at George's in Fayetteville. Then after that, George's is going to have a set from Joshua Ray Walker, country artist. Three strikes of bounty. The 
Tickets are $15 in advance. They go up to $20 at the door. That set gets underway at 8.30 Sunday evening, again at George's in Fayetteville. More country music in Fayetteville Sunday night. Walton Art Center is going to have Martina McBride. And this is a holiday show, right? It is a holiday show. I can't recall the name of it, but of the tour, but I know Julie is somewhere in there. Tickets for that show start at $79. That gets underway at 7 o'clock Sunday evening at Walton Arts Center in Fayetteville. I received an email yesterday or the day before that said there were a limited number of tickets. I believe that. Which usually means not many. Yeah, Martina McBride, she can sell it out. big name. Moving ahead, Monday, George's in Fayetteville is going to have the act Muses on stage. It features regional musicians Ginger Doss, Renee Jansky, Rhonda Jean, Linda Millard, and S.J. Tucker. They're joining together for a holiday show. Cover for that is $10. That gets underway at 7.30 Monday at George's in Fayetteville. And then next Wednesday, 612 Coffee House is going to have, as they usually do on Wednesdays, Ben Harris in the house. Yeah, and Ben's, Ben's great. I need to go to that show. I do, too. What is that, Wednesday the tw- 21st? 21st. Uh, gets okay. underway at 5 o'clock, again, Wednesday night at 612 yeah. Coffee House in Fayetteville. And that takes care of us for the next several days. And then next Thursday, you and I will be here together. It'll be our last mm-hmm. Thursday of the new year, and we'll... Go over as much as we can uh, New Year's Eve's plans. Exactly. And I know there's quite a few things happening throughout the area, so we'll have plenty to chew on. Thank you, Timothy. Thank you. Crystal Bridges Museum of American Art invites guests to the final weeks of We the People, the Radical Notion of Democracy, featuring a rare original print of the U.S. Constitution. This unique experience is open through January 2nd. Admission to We the People is free. More information at crystalbridges.org. Good Thursday. Sunshine today. I endorse that. This is Ozarks at Large, an exhibit of artworks created by young artists participating in FIRE, a new after-school arts program for LGBTQ plus youth in Northwest Arkansas, opens Saturday at the nonprofit Mount Sequoia Center in Fayetteville. Ozarks at Large's Jacqueline Froelich reports. FIRE is an acronym for Phoenix Youth Refuge Experience, an after-school art program hosted by Phoenix Gallery, which launched last August for LGBTQ plus students to securely gather and create. Taylor Johnson serves as program coordinator. She says eight middle school and high school students are currently enrolled. The kind of perfect time in their life when they're really Um, exploring their own identities and figuring out their place within themselves and the world. Um, So our age groups are 12 to 18, um, so that junior high, high school. As for connecting with LGBTQ students to engage with the program? Uh, That's a great question. I think it was general outreach. Uh, We contact local LGBT organizations that deal with younger kids, older kids, the the teenage years that we're trying to hit. Um, I also spread pamphlets all over the city. I just, (laughs) I all but helicoptered over and sprinkled pamphlets. Um, And so I think it was mostly word of mouth and just nice social media and organizational outreach. The class, which meets Tuesdays and Wednesdays after school's on holiday break right now, but will start up again next semester, the second semester. Johnson says parental consent is required for students to attend and that the first semester was a trial run including inviting working artists to provide instruction 
a lot of the artists also were LGBT, and so that definitely helped. Uh, I listened to their snack preferences, and so we get you know, pizza every other week, but they're kind of getting tired of that, so we'll pivot and do something else. Um, we have to-go foods and snacks that they tell me about. Uh, they like to tell me the kinds of art that they like. They always request to go outside. Uh, that's been a little difficult as it's gotten colder, but when the, the weather warms up, hopefully we'll do some stuff outside. So it's a lot of listening um, and, and pivoting that I have to do to kind of refine and tighten up not only what I can do and what Mount Sequoia and Phoenix wants to see from me in the program, but what the kids really like and enjoy. This class created ink block prints, clay sculpture, fabric art, drawings, paintings, masks, wind chimes, and one very skilled young artist welded a remarkable metal sculpture. The stuff that the kids have created this semester have absolutely blown me away. And it's a huge peek into their own lives and experience that I am very proud and honored to be able to bring out because I feel like, uh, especially in that tender age group and, and really figuring out your identity, you don't really have spaces with which to do that. And so I feel like it's a real boon for them to come in, express themselves without judgment, having the, the therapist and counselor eyes also to make sure everybody's happy and healthy and safe. Skilled art therapists are on hand monitoring the young artists. We did, we actually had quite the few. Um, we had two art therapists, um, Dreama, uh, Dreama Phoenix and Joanne Kaminsky that are also involved with Phoenix Arts that came in and taught lessons and overall kind of provided feedback and support um, for not only the kids but myself, you know, again, the you know, pivoting with making the, the program something really great. And then we also had representatives from Teen Action and Support Center. Uh, they provided two counselors that came every single week and were able to you know, really connect with the students and be a second pair of eyes and ears um, during the lessons. There were a lot of things that I didn't realize uh, about like behaviors or specific needs that the students had that I maybe could not provide or help in that moment. And having them there was such a huge asset. FIRE was made possible by Mount Sequoia Center staff, which obtained grant funding from the Walmart Foundation to pay art instructors and therapists for art supplies as well as snacks. The public is welcome to see the fruits of FIRE at a special exhibition opening this Saturday, December 17th. From 5 to 7 p.m., um, it's going to be held at Mount Sequoia's Sequoia Hall Gallery, featuring all the students' art that they have willingly shared uh, that they've worked on over the semester. I'll have some cute Christmas art activities for everybody. I'll have some photos of the group um, so people can kind of get a, a view of what we've been up to. And it'll just be a nice time for the community to connect. And some of the artists will also have work, some of the instructors. Taylor says she's very proud of the fire artists, some of whom were shy at first. I do want to say, the project has been so fulfilling and so fun, not only for the kids, but for me. I get to be who I wish I had growing up. Um, I wish there was something like this for myself. Um, but I'm excited and happy to take my own struggles and experience and turn it into something positive. And I just encourage any parents that need a place for their kids to, to connect with other kids like them and learn about themselves, come here. You're accepted. It's really fun. You'll have a great time. For details and registration for the coming semester, search FIRE, F-Y-R-E, after school at mountsequoia.org. 
Donations to the program are welcome. For Ozarks at Large, I'm Jacqueline Froelich. Quick note that we will be taking a winter break at Ozarks at Large. Our last new show of 2022 is scheduled to air one week from today. That's Thursday, December 22nd. We'll return with brand new shows beginning Monday, January 9th. But don't worry, Timothy Dennis has lined up a great stretch of public radio specials, some of them created here, others put together elsewhere. All of these specials will air while we catch our breath and get ready with brand new stories for our new shows. The first such special, by the way, which will take place Friday, December 23rd, is the annual concert from the Fort Smith Chorale. That will air in this spot Friday, the 23rd. And we certainly appreciate the Fort Smith Chorale for being our partner again this holiday season. Other specials focus on music, KUAF's podcasts, and much more. We'll be with you through a week from today, then special programming, then a new year of Ozarks at Large programs beginning Monday, January 9th. This is Leah Uribe, Associate Professor at the University of Arkansas Music Department, expanding our musical boundaries with sound perimeter. The weather keeps getting colder and the days shorter as the spirit of the holidays enters our lives here where we live. We open sound perimeter today with Snowfall, a piano piece by pop and country singer-songwriter Cullen Jack. Jack, a multifaceted professional in business, law, and politics, as well as a classically trained orchestral pop songwriter and recording artist from Oregon, brings to us a meditative and shiny piece perfect for the winter vibes.
That was Snowfall by American pianist, singer, and songwriter Cullen Jack. These hectic holidays bring me back to my own childhood, always accompanied by mixed traditions and music in all manners, music in the street and music to dance, along with nativity sets decorated with fake snow and Papa Noel, big family gatherings, buñuelos and natilla, nostalgia and hope. Let us close Sound Perimeter today with a glimpse of warmth and an instrumental Latin version of Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas from Poncho Sanchez's album Latin Jazz Christmas.
enjoy today our holiday selections and hope that music is your companion for the end of this complicated yet inspiring year. This is Leah Uribe, Associate Professor at the University of Arkansas Music Department, expanding our musical boundaries with Sound Perimeter. Sound Perimeter is a segment dedicated to diverse voices in and around music. I hope it will expand your knowledge and connection to inclusive sounds and let music infiltrate your lives and transform your realities. See you soon. Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio is Jasper Logan. Jasper, how are you? I'm doing well. Very good. Jasper, you've been at KUAF now for a year and a half. A year and some change. So October made a year. Okay. And it's December, so we're a year and some change. A year, I think a day shy of being a year will be uh, tomorrow's lunch hour of the first year anniversary. Exactly. Yep. Yep. And I'm super excited about that. We've been doing it for a whole year consistently. And uh, it's it's been fun. It's been a lot of fun to see, like, I think to see, like, the building get, like, new life. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I can tell that, like, everybody everybody gets excited about it in an office. And then, like, you know, the community, too. Like, they get excited. They randomly come, like, yo, when's the next one? When Who's coming this time? And so it's it's fun, like, creating something that people are like, when is the next one, you know? When is the next one? Tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Tomorrow, December 16th. And, and uh, we'll be, we have Stephen Ivey, who's uh, going to be uh, performing for us, and then the Hip Cafe. And then this is a special one. Uh, I think since it's the year anniversary, it's like, it's, it's great that we, we've kind of got two businesses. We got Puritan, who's going to be doing uh, hot chocolate and coffee for us. Perfect. Um, and so it'll be a nice. Very warm, heartfelt, you know, we may do some Christmas stuff. You know, I might wear a Santa hat or something, you know, and and uh, it's going to be good. Um, Stephen Ivy is, uh, if you don't know who Stephen is or haven't heard him, he's something else. Oh, man, he's incredibly talented. He can sing. He can play. Like, um, he can direct. Like, he is just an all-around, like, gospel phenom. Um, and he's just, he's super talented. He's, I know he's been working on a, uh, live album, um, which I'm not sure is if, if it's, if, if it's finished yet, but I know that's, that's been his main focus, uh, as of late working on that album. Um, uh, but yeah, he's great. I'm excited. Hip Cafe, which I have driven, I have to admit, haven't been inside yet because yeah. I drive by it on Sunday. Oh, it's nice inside. Yeah. It's, it's super nice inside. You should go inside sometime. It's, it's, it's really like. It's it's it doesn't have this like it's got this like very like homey industrial feel if okay. it makes sense you know and right. it's 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 hip um, <laughs> it's the the name is actually very fitting and then the food is is great too like you know they do a mix of like 
um, vegan vegan options oh, as nice. well. Um, whenever Murs comes down, you know, I, it's funny because yeah. I did an interview. I did the interview with Murs, and you know, he was like, "Man, you gotta we 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 need more vegan options here in Northwest Arkansas." And so when I found a vegan cafe, I was like, "Yo, there's this place, and yeah. it's good. They have you know they have this like vegan breakfast burrito that I, I got one time." And uh, he was like, "Yo, I already been there. That's <laughs> I love that place." <laughs> and so, <laughs> excellent. All right, so uh, reserve your tickets at Eventbrite. Yep, Eventbrite or on our Facebook, uh, okay. which will take you to Eventbrite. So, how much does this set a person back to attend? Um, it sets them back. You know, it's a bit of a cost. It's like you know, a little bit free ninety nine, which is a lot nowadays. You know, yeah. with inflation. Yeah. Um, but no, it's free of charge. You know, we 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 want this to be open to everybody, and so um, it's free of charge. Uh, doors at noon. Yeah, doors open at noon. Music will start around twelve fifteen, twelve twenty. Doors open at noon. Come out, enjoy the food, and um, enjoy just a good time. It'll be great. Yeah, this is a year anniversary, and like we'll keep going right after that. So, and I don't want you to give any away any secrets, but we know you know who's going to be here in January, February, and a little bit beyond. That's true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> actually, January will be a special one because it actually won't be at. The offices. Okay. I'll just leave it at that. Okay. <laughs> Jasper Logan, thank you so much. Thanks. The KUAF Giving Tree has been lit. This annual program from your public radio station benefits an area nonprofit that's looking for our community's help. This month of December, we're working with Seven Hills Homeless Center working to develop and implement collaborative local solutions that foster hope, opportunity, and stability for people experiencing homelessness. Seven Hills provides a wide range of basic needs and housing services, as well as working with other community groups to help decrease homelessness in our community. Right now, Seven Hills' biggest needs are canned soups, coats, socks, gloves, and winter hats. Simply drop off your donation of new or gently used items at KUAF 9 South School in Fayetteville. You can find more information about Seven Hills online at 7 hillscenter.org The Giving Tree and KUAF Public Radio Make your voice matter Tomorrow on Ozarks at Large 10 years of blues therapy There's a few people who've been coming every Wednesday night for that long you know for the most part there's some that have just started coming we always see new faces they always come back and uh, it's just really turned into a great thing it's Rachel Fields and Larry Brick get ready to celebrate the 10th anniversary of Wednesday Night Blues for Everybody. We'll ask them how their Wednesday night performances began, and they'll play for us, too. Ozarks at Large, tomorrow at noon and 7 p.m., and on the free Ozarks at Large podcast. Hi, my name is Paul, your host for the Generic Blues Show, which airs every Friday night at 9 o'clock. Join me this Friday. We've got our usual varied blues songs, as well as previewing the 10th anniversary of the weekly Brickfields Blues Therapy Sessions. In tradition, it will be held on a Wednesday night, but on that 21st of December, it will be at the Fayetteville Public Library Event Center. A larger stage, a larger venue for a lot of musicians. It's going to be a great time. Again, that's the Generic Blues Show, every Friday night at 9 o'clock. We'll see you then. And by the way, Paul Kelso will be with me tomorrow on Ozarks at Large. 
uh, as we talked to Rachel and Larry with Brickfields. He was uh, kind enough, since he's been their friends, to sit in on that interview with me. Speaking of thanking people, let me again thank everybody who uh, supports KUAF, Ozarks at Large, and Public Radio. I know that it's been almost a week since we had the season of giving fundraiser at KUAF, but it is just wonderful that so many people uh, financially support what we do here, and it doesn't go um, unnoticed. So thank you very much. And, of course, if you would like to contribute to KUAF, uh, you can do that right now or at any time. Support KUAF.com. And those of you who supported us at the level to get the KUAF Live Volume 5 CD, you should be getting that soon. It's a wonderful CD. Again, thanks to everyone who contributed. This is 91.3 KUAF. Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Bentonville, and Springdale. Timothy Dennis produced today's show in the Herald and Blanchcock News Studio at the Carver Center for Public Radio. Contributors to our show today included Anna Pope, Timothy Dennis, Paul Gatling, Jacqueline Froelich, and thanks Jasper Logan for coming along as well. Also Jared Phillips for working on our Rural Life series. The Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report is produced by Stephanie Brock. Our theme is written and performed by our friend Daryl Sean. You can find out more about us at OzarksAtLarge.com. From the Carver Center for Public Radio, I'm Kyle Callums. <laughs>